0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy, if you don't know me. uh, And I'm just really excited to be here this morning with you all and to uh, bring you the word of God. And so, um, you know what, let's get right to it. I'm really excited. I think the Lord has a really powerful word for us today. And so if you're joining us for the first time uh, on the book of Revelation, I just wanna give you a quick couple uh, reminders as we read this book, because a lot of times, We think that Revelation is about the future and we think about like, oh, it's really mysterious and all these things. And yes, that might be true. But I want to give you guys just some quick reminders of things we keep in mind. So that way it helps us understand actually what the Spirit of God is trying to tell us and how we can actually get the most out of Revelation as we read it together. Okay. So the first thing I want to remind you is that Um, this was a book that was actually written to real people. So if you join us, and this is 100% a plug for Wednesday Night Prayer, if you join us for Wednesday Night Prayer, you will know and would have learned that the first part of Revelation was actually written to seven churches. So this book was actually written to specific people and it was read to real people. So it's not some like mystical book that was just written and they found it on a mountaintop. Like it was John, the apostle John, he was writing to people. It was for specific people, seven churches, okay? So also with that, there has to be a purpose, right? When you write something, when you write a letter or anything, there's a purpose to the person that's receiving it. So there's a purpose for them there's a real purpose for them at that time. So that tells me that for us today, even if we're not at the end, there's purpose for us today, too. God doesn't reveal a word that's gonna happen, oh, it's gonna happen, you know, blah, 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 10,000 years later, and it has nothing to do with you. No, God is saying, my word for you, it matters today. That was the same for the Apostle John. He's saying, this word, there's something that you have to get today. It matters today, all right? And the third thing is, is that it's an encouragement it's an encouragement. I want to remind you that the, the, the message of the Bible is good news. Jesus brings the gospel. The gospel means good news. So even though some of the things in here might seem very scary, we might be, uh, we might be afraid because we don't understand, I want you to understand that the heart of God and the heart of John is to bring truth, but also to bring it in an encouraging way. So I want you to remember those three things, all right? So let's get into it. We're going into the seven visions of Jesus and this is week six. So we're almost there guys. We're almost done. So this is the sixth vision of Jesus. And I have to set the stage for you before we even get to the passage because it's very important because they're all linked together in this one part. It's a very action-packed part in chapter 14. And so uh, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis so you guys stick with me, okay? If you were here with us two weeks ago, PB talked about how there was this great vision of a woman woman giving birth to a child, and that child was Jesus, and the woman was the church, and there was this dragon, who is the devil, who was trying to devour the baby. And so this magnificent picture was actually a spiritual reality of what was happening when Jesus was born on the earth. And so we saw in this story that there was this great battle in heaven, and the enemy, the dragon, was defeated, and all his angels were defeated, and they were sent down to the earth. But when he got to the earth, do you guys remember? He was so angry and so infuriated that he started attacking and, um, and persecuting the children of God, the children of the church, okay? And so I tell you that because there's a change in scene here, right? So we see in heaven, there's a battle and he is sent down to earth. But he's not gone, right? He's still there. And then now he's on the earth causing chaos and causing disorder. So then, last week, we saw another scene. So John is still on the earth, right? Because the, the dragon's on the earth. He looks and he sees the Lamb of God on Mount Zion. That's a place on earth. That's not a place in heaven. So remember, the scene is still on earth. So do you see that juxtaposition? We go to see the enemy. We see the forces of evil. And then, boom, we turn. And now we see the forces of good. We see Jesus, the Lamb of God, on the Mount Zion. Mount Zion is representative of uh, uh, the place where the new city will be, the place where the people of God reside. So it's almost as if it's like where where the new church will be. It's like like an eternal, glorious place. And then the sealed ones, right? The ones that belong to the kingdom of God. So you guys see that? It's like, boom, we have forces of evil. Boom, we have forces of good. And they're standing on the earth. And so now I'm really excited because in this next scene, We get to see what happens when these two forces clash on the earth. And I want to tell you guys something today. And maybe you already feel this in your heart, but you couldn't put words to it. But there's a battle going on on the earth. And if you see in the book of Revelation, God is clearly showing us why there's a battle on the earth. And maybe you're on one side where all you see is the evil. And you're like, oh man, the world's so messed up. And and, and all these things are happening and, and it's really discouraging. And I'm not taking that away. But now you know where that's coming from. Because the enemy wants to cause destruction. But can I encourage you? Don't forget that you turn. The Lamb of God is here, guys. Jesus is here. But then you might say, well, why don't I feel like it? Because there's a clash. These two forces are clashing. And there's a battle going on right now. And this sixth vision of Jesus is actually going to show us where you and I are in this battle. Because you might be like, well, that's really great, but where am I in all this? You are. You actually are. The battle is happening on the earth right now. And I'm gonna show you in this sixth vision that Jesus gives of himself, what is at stake and where you are in this battle. And I believe the Lord wants to speak to that today. You guys ready for that? I'm so excited. So let's get into the word of God. And so we're gonna read from Revelation 14. And we're gonna start from verse 14. And it says, Then I looked, that's John the apostle, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice, excuse me, to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God and the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress so as, oh, as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. I know that sounds really crazy, but we're gonna get into this, all right, guys? The first thing you'll notice about this is that this is a picture, a metaphor using harvest, and this was an analogy that Jesus loved to use. In fact, when the apostle John wrote this, And the people heard this, they would have immediately known that this was related to the teachings of Jesus. So many times in the New Testament, Jesus uses analogies and metaphors that have to do with agriculture. Because that was just something that that the people understood. And the concept of harvest was something very common to him. And so just to let you know, every time Jesus talks about harvest, he's talking about the earth. The field is the earth. And the different crops or plants that pop up are always different analogies of different types of people, different states of people's hearts, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind as we're talking about this because this is exactly what the readers or the hearers would understand right away. They would identify themselves. Oh, I've heard this before. I remember Jesus talking about this. I remember the apostles teaching about this. I know what this harvest means. And they're looking for the plants. They're looking for which plant am I? Where am I in this metaphor, all right guys? And so we're going to break it down because there's four really important things that we need to look at inside of this analogy of the harvest, okay? And the first thing is, what's being harvested? And, and I know it's really silly, but I, I, I have to really point this out. There's two harvests. There's two. There's not three. There's not four. There's not five. There's only two. And I know that sounds like I might be insensitive, but, I'm, but I came to tell you that the word of God is saying there's only two harvests. There's only two harvests. There's either one or the other. There is no middle ground. And I know in the day and age that we live in, we love middle ground. Don't we love middle ground? We love middle ground. I don't wanna be over here and say yes. I don't wanna be over here and say no to anything or any issue. So I just wanna be in the middle. I wanna be in a place where I can agree with everybody. I wanna be in a place where I can say yes to everybody or not have an opinion and not offend anybody. Can I tell you guys here today, Jesus didn't come to do that. That's why Jesus said, I came with the sword. Because he knows that what he has to say will divide. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either with him or you're not. And I just came to tell you guys today, there is no middle ground. And God is asking you to make a decision today, okay? So as we look at the harvest, there's two harvests. And the first one is one of wheat. And you might be like, I didn't see that in the verse. I know, I know. That's why I'm here to help you see it. And the second one is grapes. We know the second one is grapes because it clearly said grapes. But I want to go into the first one. And it's interesting because if we look again at verse 14, he describes the harvest as for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. He doesn't talk about what it is. He doesn't talk about what he's harvesting. But the second one, he says that there's clusters of grapes, right? There's clusters of a vine. So how do I know that they're not the same? Because scholars argue about this all the time. And so the word ripe is the key. The word ripe is the key. So in English, it looks like it's the same word, but in Greek, there's two different words. So the first ripe, fully ripe, is a word in Greek called sereno, And that means it's a drying out process. So when wheat grows, it actually dries when it becomes ready to eat. Now, if you think about that, you wouldn't use that word for grapes, because you don't want dry grapes. <laughs> dry grapes are like that's good for nothing. Like you don't go to a, a vine of grapes and be like, oh, they're dry. Okay, they're ready. Those are raisins. No one wants that. You're not there for that. So we know they're not talking about the same, they're not talking about the same harvest, the same crop. They have to be different. And this word is so specific to wheat and grain, because of that process. It means to dry out. And the second word for ripe for the grapes, just so you know, is called akmazo. And that word is just only used once in the entire Bible. And that's here. So it's a very specific word to describe grapes. And so we know from this that again, these are two separate harvests and they're very, very different. They're very different. Okay. So the second thing we need to know is when the harvest happens, where do they go? What happens to them? Okay. And so the first harvest is gathered by one who sits on the cloud who looks like the Son of Man. And we're going to get into who it is. And I know you might know who it is, but I'm trying to build a climax, okay? So just stay with me. (laughs) Thanks, Phoebe. All right? So this one who looks like the Son of Man, who's wearing a crown, he sits on a cloud, he comes and he gathers the wheat. And we can assume that they're with him because when you gather something, it's with you, right? You don't gather it and put it somewhere unless the text says so, which is the second part. Because it doesn't say so, we know that he gathers it and it's with him. But the second harvest is gathered by an angel, which is interesting. And they're put into a very specific place. They're put into, and it tells us in the in 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 verse 19 and 20 that they're put into the wine press of the wrath of God. And I have to talk about this because I know when we talk about wrath, it's such a hard topic to talk about. It's very easy to talk about God as a God of love and a God of you know. Of mercy and grace and salvation. And he is those things. But you know what? I actually feel so encouraged today to talk to you about this. You know why? Because the whole world right now is crying for justice. Can I tell you today? This is a picture of God's justice. The wrath of God is part of God's justice. You cannot have justice if you do not have both reward for righteousness and punishment For evil. Do you guys feel that? Can I get an amen somewhere? Someone someone will say amen in their house. You know that true justice cannot only reward good. Do you know what that's called? That's just called being lenient. That's not justice. The people of God, when they heard this, they were rejoicing when they heard this second part because their people were getting killed. Their people in their churches were getting burned alive, were getting killed, were being murdered. And they were asking for justice. They're saying, Lord, where are you? Do you care that your people are getting killed? Do you care that we're being persecuted? And this is God's way of saying, yes, I do. Yes, I see that, I hear that. Can I say, even in America right now, I know that there are people crying out for this justice. To my brothers and sisters in the black and brown community, I know you've been crying out for this. Can I tell you something? You should rejoice at this verse too. You know why? Because God is saying to you today, you know what? I saw George Floyd. You know what? I saw Breonna Taylor. And we know that Breonna Taylor, what happened was wrong. And that the judgment that came down was not just. That was not just. That there were police officers that were not held accountable for their actions. We desire justice. So isn't it funny that when we hear the wrath of God, we don't think that it's justice? That's the lie of the enemy, guys. That's a lie of the enemy. This is God saying, when people do evil and they do not repent, I have to hold them accountable. And we desire that. Don't you feel that in your heart when the judgment of Brianna Taylor came down? Did you feel it in your heart that you said, that's not right? There's something lacking. Jesus is saying, that's not my justice. I'm gonna show you my justice. My justice has both grace and wrath. My justice is both, and I offer grace, but I also will punish those who ignore it, and I will hold them accountable for the wrongs that they have done. So I'm gonna tell you, church, today, that when the people first read this in the first century, they rejoiced because there was justice. I want you to catch that. Don't miss it. Don't, don't see God as like, oh, he's just punishing us and coming down hard on people, and he doesn't like people. No, it's justice. It's justice for the people who have been hurt and oppressed. That's a good God. You need to remember that. Don't let the enemy come in and say to you, oh, God's angry and he's, he's spiteful. That's, that's not it here. This is justice. This is justice, guys. And so now the last two parts I'm so excited about is because the who and the when is where all the encouragement comes from. Because now we see all the cards on the table. We know there's two harvests. There's one where we go with Jesus and we go somewhere good. And there's one where we go to the wrath of God, somewhere bad. But the who and the when changes everything. And I, and I, and I did myself wrong. I let the cat out the bag. I said the who and I said Jesus. But we know that the first thing you need to know is who does the judging? Who's the judge? And I came here to tell you today that the judge is Jesus, and you should rejoice at that. And so John, he looks up, and he sees one like the Son of Man sitting on a cloud with a crown. And so what does this picture tell us? He wears a crown because he's the victor. He wears the crown because he is sovereign. He is in control, and he is the king. He alone is worthy to judge. He alone has the authority and the power to judge. He rides on a cloud because, I don't know about you, but normal kings, they came on chariots and horses. He's like, no, 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 I don't need that. (laughs) When I go around, I move around on a cloud. He's like, I'm on another level. The way that I get from point A to point B is like no other parade, no other procession you've ever seen in a royal court. I come on clouds, not on horses. He's saying, I am above every other king you've ever seen, any other power you've ever seen. I come with a power that you have no idea what it's like. And also it's reminiscent of the Old Testament when the pillar of cloud would lead the people of Israel by day and the pillar of fire would lead them by night. And lastly, he looks like one, like a son of man. This was Jesus' favorite description of himself in the Gospels. He always called himself son of man, son of man son of man. And if you want to be a super Bible scholar today, you would know that that came from the book of Daniel, all right? There was a vision that Daniel had and he said, I saw one like a son of man, and this one like a son of man received authority from the ancient of days, which is God the Father. So you see this this working of Jesus with God the Father and then an equalness in their divinity and their authority and their power. All right? So that's what it is. And so we see Jesus sitting on this cloud and he comes and, and he is the one that gathers the harvest. He's the one that gathers his people to himself. That's a beautiful picture, guys. It's a beautiful picture. Jesus is the one who does the judging, he's the one that chooses. And I want you to know something it's not a judge that you don't know, it's not a judge that's far from you. It's Jesus. And if you know who Jesus is, wouldn't you rejoice like it's like if you went into a courtroom wouldn't you i would rejoice if 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 they're like all rise for the honorable so-and-so and you and you rise up and then the door opens and from the judge's chambers jesus walks in i'd be like hallelujah praise the lord like this is gonna be a good judgment like this is gonna be a good case this is gonna be a good hearing when i see jesus walk in the courtroom, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be good. This is going to be a good ending. That was the point. It's a good judge. It's not a random judge. It's not a random person, uh, you know, uh, a third party who doesn't know anything. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is the judge. All right? But you notice know the second thing. The second harvest is done by an angel who has authority over the fire. Now I'm not here to say, oh why why, why isn't Jesus doing it? I don't think that's the important thing. I wanna focus more on who it's not. Notice that it's also under God's authority. And this angel who has authority over the fire comes out of the temple. He's coming out of the temple where God resides. He's coming out of God's presence. This is just telling me that everything is done out of the presence of God. You know who's not judging you? The dragon. Doesn't say the dragon comes and gathers the grapes. Doesn't say the beasts come and gather the grapes. It says God is still the one doing all the judging across the board. And this is a word for someone today. The enemy is an accuser. He's an adversary. He loves to go around and accuse the people of God. And I feel like someone here today, you've been accused by the enemy and you've been feeling accused by the enemy. And you've been feeling like, yeah, I should accept this judgment, you know? Even if it's true, like I messed up, I made a mistake, I messed up. And then the enemy comes and says, yeah, you messed up. And see, he's using truth to push you down and push you down. And you feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But can I tell you something today, church? He's not your judge. He's not your judge. Even though he's giving you facts, right. he can't give you the conclusion. He can't give you the verdict. That's right, He's usurping authority that is not his. That's right. Just because it's true doesn't mean that that's the conclusion. Because there's more to the story that he's not telling you. And the enemy loves to go around and throw your mistakes in your face and throw all the things you've done wrong, even if it was 15 years ago. He loves to bring it up and smash you down with it. But I'll tell you something today. This verse is telling you, you're not my judge. You're not the one to judge me. Even if I did wrong, you can't even tell me that I did wrong because you're not my judge. Church, someone needs to hear this today. The enemy is not your judge. He can't judge you. He can't tell you where you're going. Only God can tell you where you're going. And you might be like, but how can I tell the difference? Very simple. This is so key, guys. How do you know it's the voice of God? Versus the voice of the enemy? Even in your sin, even when you're wrong, the voice of God will never condemn you. Will never condemn you. He will never condemn you or shame you. He's not going to pretend that it didn't happen. But you know what the voice of God does? He invites you back to him. He invites you to turn away from that and to come home. He's not saying, oh, it didn't happen. He's saying, but turn away from that mistake. That's That's not who you are turn away from that right now. I'm here. Come back to me right now. Just turn away. Just put that down right now. Just stop doing that right now. Just turn your eyes right back to me. Just look me in the eyes and come back. That's what the Spirit of God does. The enemy will want you to keep looking at what you're doing wrong. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. The the Spirit of God always tells you to stop looking at it and look at him. That's the difference, guys. You have to remember that because the the Spirit of God would never come on you and say, look at what you did, look at what you did, look at what you did, look at what you did. He would never do that. He would say, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's what the Spirit of God says. Okay, guys, this is so important. The devil is not your judge. He can never judge you. He can never tell you where you're gonna end up. Don't ever listen to that voice. Don't ever listen to that. And the last thing, um, this is so good. When the harvest comes, when does it come? When does it come? And this is so important. And I'm not trying to tell you, I'm, I know when the end of the world is coming. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you personally with Jesus. When does this happen? Look, look at what the word says. It says in verse, first uh, even the first part, PB, thank you. Uh, both harvests, he uses the word ripe. Ripe. He only comes... When it is ripe, when the time is ripe. Did you guys catch that? So the angel comes, the angel tells Jesus, look, Jesus, look, look. The earth now is ripe. It's time, it's time. What are they waiting for? What's Jesus waiting for? Do you see that? He's waiting for the right moment. He's waiting for the right moment. When is it ripe? Remember I told you guys in the very beginning What this all is about, There's a battle on the earth. And these forces of evil and the forces of good are clashing on the earth. You know what they're fighting over? They're not fighting over territory. They're not fighting over money. They're not fighting over even power. (laughs) They're fighting over this harvest. Did you guys catch that? Mm. They're fighting over this harvest. Jesus wants to increase the first harvest. The devil wants to increase the second one. They're fighting over this harvest. That's what this is about, guys. And I want you to know, when when this happens, Jesus' heart is that he always wants to increase the harvest. His heart is he wants his harvest to be as big as possible. He's waiting for the most opportune time when he can gather the most people to himself. That is his heart. That is when the time is ripe. So he's yeah. not here to try to catch you. Oh, you slipped. Now it's over. Oh, 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 you messed up. He's not trying to catch you at the worst possible moment. He's actually trying to catch you at your best possible moment. Right. He wants to increase the harvest. Wow. He's giving you every opportunity. He's waiting. He's, he's like, this is Jesus to his angel. Is it ripe yet? Oh, man, I, I'm praying for him. That's my son. Come on. Is it ripe yet? Is it ripe yet? No, send more blessings his way. Send more messengers his way. Send more word of God to his way. Send more angels his way. Is it ripe yet? Is it ripe yet? Oh, I'm waiting. Is it ripe yet? That's my daughter. She needs help. Send her help. Send her saints. Send her resources from heaven right now because I need that wheat to be ripe. I need it to be ripe. Do you hear me, angel? And he waits and he says, is it ripe yet? Is it ripe yet? Is it ripe yet? Do you guys feel that? That's Jesus. That's his heart. Come on, come on, somebody. I can prove it to you. Can I prove it to you? I'm going to prove it to you because I'm not just saying this. It's actually in the Word of God. Look at the point in the story of Revelation before it's ripe. Go all the way back to the first couple weeks when P.P. was preaching. The seven seals were opened and these the seven you know, judgments of God went on the earth death and war and poverty and pestilence. Why? Then later, seven trumpets were blown and meteors came from the sky and water was dried up and earthquakes happened. Why, why, why? There's a story happening. Ripening means maturing. God used all these things to mature the earth, to mature the crop, Do you guys feel that? He's using the seals and the trumpets, the the things that we think, why is this happening? Why are all these hard things happening? That's part of the maturing process. That's part of the ripening process. And let me prove it to you. COVID-19, this is part of our ripening process. I truly believe in my heart. This church is our maturing process. (laughs) You know a person when things get tough. The true heart and character of a person comes out when things are tough, not when things are easy. Because you can pretend to be holy and all that <laughs> when it's easy. You can, your hallelujahs will, 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 will be ceaseless when things, are, when things are great and you have tons of money in the bank account. But when things get tight and things get scary and you start to fear for your life, and you start to fear for your future and your family and your loved ones, and you don't know what's going to happen and you feel that pressure squeezing you, that's when you know who you really are. Do you guys see how what God is releasing into the earth is actually part of our maturing process? It's a blessing. It's a gift from God because what he's really doing is he's putting a mirror in front of you and showing you this is actually where your faith really is right now. This is actually what you're worshiping right now. This is actually what you love right now. I'm showing it to you. So that you know where you are. So that you know where you need to be. God didn't just come and say, oh, on, 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 on a random day when everything was good and you didn't, and you weren't even aware of your weaknesses. God didn't just come and say, okay, it's judgment time. It's time to ripe. It's time to harvest. It's time to reap. He didn't do that. Do you see that the releasing of his of the seals and the trumpets, this is part of his mercy. This is part of his grace. He's releasing it so that people can feel what's happening in their heart and actually know where they're gonna be before it happens. Do you guys feel that? When it's happening, when it's happening, you're feeling it, you're feeling it, and now you can see where you really stand with God before he comes. This is part of his grace. He's allowing you to see yourself in the most real and honest way so you can be honest with yourself. So can I be honest with you, church? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad because this is about you and Jesus and about you being honest with yourself. How has it been for you the last six months? You know, honestly, how has worship been for you? Is it, you know, have have you been seeking after God, going to the quiet place on your own when it's difficult? Where's your hope? Do you feel hopeless? Where's your faith? What are you putting your hope in? These questions are important, guys, not because I'm trying to put you down or make you feel guilty, but because I want you to know where you really are. I'm not here to give you false hope. You have to know yourself before you know where you, can, where you need to go. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, be honest with yourself right now. Where are you with me? When I stripped everything away, when I made it difficult, when I took away the easy things, Where are you with just you and me in the quiet place? Where are you with just you and me when it's just you and me and there's not 100, 200 other people in the room and there's loud music playing and people are jumping up and down? Where are you, just you and me right now? And you have to know this. This is so important. This is the grace of God. Do you guys feel that? Because he wants you to know. Because he wants you to know so that you can move towards him and I'll even show you even in even in even in the even in Revelation. Now I didn't put this part up on the verses, but I just want you to listen. Right before this, right right before this, this 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 harvesting, God sends three angels who are messengers. Do you know what they say? This is so good. This is so good. The first angel, and and if you if you're following your Bibles, this is Revelation six six to, chapter 14, 6 to 13. So this is literally the segment right before the vision of Jesus. The first angel goes out and he's carrying and proclaiming the eternal gospel. Do you see that? The first thing that God does before he brings judgment is he he brings the gospel to the whole earth. He sends an angel and says, go one more time. Go throughout the earth and tell them the good news. Tell them the gospel right now. They need to know. He sends an angel and the angel goes to the whole earth and he says, fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who has made heaven and earth and sea and the springs of water. He sends an angel who literally says, the time is about to come. It has come. Worship him. Worship him. I'm carrying the gospel. I'm telling it to you right now. Do you see God's goodness? Do you see his grace right now? Then the second one says, Babylon has fallen. Do you see what he's saying? Babylon was was a word that they used for Rome, but it could be used for any of the oppressive forces, the forces of darkness. He's saying, they're defeated. They're defeated. Don't worry about it. Do you see that? First angel says, this is the good news. Worship God. Second angel says, don't worry. The evil has been defeated. The evil has been defeated. And then the third messenger comes. And the third messenger comes and says, if anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his head or his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath. Yes, this is also a necessary message. But do you see? He tells it to you before he gives the judgment. He didn't just come in and say, now you will be sent there. He sent a messenger that says, beware if you worship this beast and his mark. This will have to be the consequence. Do you guys see the grace of God? Do you see what he's doing? He's giving us the full picture. He's laying everything on the table and saying, my son, my daughter, make a wise decision today. He's saying, I'm giving you everything you need right now to know me. Make a wise decision today. About to land this plane right now. Again, I know it's difficult when we talk about wrath and we talk about people being put into a dark place and being punished. But I want to emphasize again that that's actually not really the main part of this entire vision of Jesus. The main part is the rejoicing that the church would have felt because they would have known on that first harvest, Jesus is coming for me. He's coming for me. And you know, church, I just have a simple question to ask you you know why would you fear the judgment of god there's only two reasons it's either because you don't know who the judge is or because you don't know whether you're with him or you're not and you know i got good news for you today both those things are very easily fixed because god just like he sent those three angel messengers across the whole earth to give proclamation to everything that's happening don't you see as you read it today this morning god's doing the same for you too right now judgment's not here right now yet there's still time there's no fear because the lord is actually this is an invitation the lord is inviting you to be part of the first harvest he's inviting you to respond he's inviting you to listen to the first angel who comes with the gospel. And so I have to ask you, do you know the judge? Because if you did, like I told you that analogy, if you're sitting in the courtroom and your best friend walks in the door and he's the judge, you would rejoice. (laughs) Like if I saw PB or PS walk in and they're the judge and and they're wearing that black robe and they're sitting on that elevated bench and they have the gavel, I'd be like, hallelujah, woo! It's my friend. If you know the judge, it changes the entire courtroom. And you know what the best thing about our judge is? He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to know him. He's inviting you to know him. He's unlike any judge you've ever met in your life. (laughs) He's the most beautiful, the most glorious, the most merciful, the most gracious judge and the most personal and intimate one, and he wants you to know him. And if you fear the judgment, I really want you to ask yourself why. Not as a you shouldn't, but then there's something that the Spirit of God is doing in you. Do you guys sense that? If you fear the judgment of God, then there's something that the Spirit of God is trying to touch on. Whether it's a lie that you need to let go of, Whether it's it's an accusation from the enemy that you can't let go of, you can't forgive yourself for. Whether it's, hey, I fear for my family. I I don't know where they're going. Okay, but then maybe the Lord is saying, okay, then you sense the urgency now. Now go tell them the good news. You sense what's happening right now. Now go love them and go tell them about me. Whatever is going on in your heart that you feel uneasy, don't, don't push it away. Ask the Spirit of God to tell you, okay, so why do I feel this uneasiness in my heart about the judgment? Because the Lord wants to bring truth and healing into that place because I believe with all my heart, guys, God doesn't want us to fear his judgment. Remember, God's justice is good. His wrath is equally part of his justice as his grace. It is good. And the last thing is, maybe it's because you don't know him. You don't know who this Jesus is. you know, I got good news for you today (laughs) because he knows you and he absolutely wants you to know him. And all you have to do is believe that he is the son of God and that he came and he died for your sin to make a way for you to have relationship with him and God, the father in heaven, because there is sin and we all have sin that separates us from God. But Jesus said, I'm gonna take that sin on myself. Even though I did nothing wrong, but I love, I love them so much. I will take that sin and I will die for it. I will pay the price for that judgment, for that wrath that we talked about. So that I went to that wine press. I went to that wine press. I was trodden outside the city of Israel, outside the city of Jerusalem on Golgotha. My blood was shed. My blood flowed out of that wine press called the cross and it flowed for 1600 stadia so that no one else would have to have their blood be trodden and stepped upon for 1600 stadia because I already did. If only they will say, I will take Jesus as my Savior. Guys, don't let yourself be trodden. When Jesus already let himself be trodden, why have it happened twice? Jesus says, I already went there. You don't have to go there because I went there. I'm sitting in the wine press for you. Don't go there. And all you have to do is pray this prayer. All you have to do is pray this prayer and say, Jesus... Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I want relationship with you. Thank you for coming and dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking all the wrong on yourself and going to the wine press for me so that I could be with you in heaven, so I could be with you right now and with the Father and have eternal life, new life in you, so that all my brokenness All my failures, all my mistakes could be wiped away with new life in you. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift. I surrender my life to you. I receive you as my Savior. You are my God. You are my Lord. And I worship you, and I love you. Today is my new life, my new beginning with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm so happy for you right now because just... Just even what we talked about today, to move from one place to the other harvest. Do you see that? Do you see that? And that Jesus was waiting for this moment when your heart would be ripe and you have been harvested for him right now. And if that's you, let us rejoice with you. Can you just put it in the chat right now? I pray that prayer. I have new life in Jesus. I pray that prayer because we want to rejoice with you because now you are with Jesus and we're together right now in the presence of God yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah i I just feel the spirit of God right now. I just feel the spirit of God right now. He's with you right now. I just feel the spirit of God right now i I just I just want to say one more thing. I just feel like I just feel like there's some of you who are still struggling with 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 accusation. I just want you to know right now again. That's never Jesus. And, and, and I, I, I just hear this one lie that the enemy is saying right now, is that some of you feel like your sin is so bad that you belong in the wine press. You belong there. Can I tell you something? That is the craziest lie I've ever heard in my life. You belong with your father. There is no child who belongs anywhere else on the planet outside of wherever his father is. There is no child that that does not belong with their parents. There is no child that does not belong in the arms of their parents, in the arms of their father. You do not belong in a wine press away from your father. Where you belong is with your father. And it doesn't matter what you've done. You belong there. So say no to that lie right now. Say say no to that lie right now. Yeah, I just feel the spirit of God. We just need to pray right now. Spirit of God, I thank you for this moment in time. I thank you for this morning that we could be in your presence, God, and to hear the word of God and to see the joy that comes from being with you, God, that the church in the first century rejoiced when they heard this analogy, rejoiced when they heard this vision of John because they said, yes, yes, yes. We are with Jesus and he's coming for us. We're part of that. He's coming for us. He's coming to gather us. And that, yes, the evil forces that have been attacking and killing our church, killing our people, they will be punished rightly. Yes, yes. This is the beauty of your justice, God. Because it is both grace and wrath. And both are necessary. And God, I pray today that we would also read this with joy. Because it is good news. You've come to bring good news, God. You're not coming to bring, to bring destruction. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. That's not Jesus. Jesus didn't come to just pour out wrath. He came to take on wrath and to bring grace. And so God, I pray right now over the hearts of every person who has heard your word this morning. If there's any uneasiness in our hearts, God, about this analogy or this picture of wrath, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would enter into that place and you would begin to speak your truth into that place and you would begin to uncover and unlock the reason why we are still uneasy about the picture of justice or the picture of judgment and bring healing and truth into that place so that we will no longer fear what is good. Because let me tell you guys something, the wrath of God is good. The wrath of God is good because evil must be punished. Because that shows how good our God is, how much he loves good and hates evil. And our and even our country right now cries, screams for this. And so I pray, Lord, that you would unlock our hearts to understand just how righteous of a God you are, and how good that makes you God, so that we do not fear your judgment, because judgment is part of what makes you a good God. So Lord, draw us into your presence nearer right now. Draw us into your presence nearer right now, so that when we read the book of Revelation and we finish this series, everything that we read, every image, God, even if we don't understand it and it seems like it's hurtful or it seems confusing or it seems mean or angry, that we do not allow the enemy to come in and put lies into our mind, God, but that we would understand and see your heart in everything, God, of how good of a God you are, that even in your judgment, you sent three more messengers one more time and that you wait anxiously for the harvest to be ripe so that you can gather us for yourself. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 amen.
1: Wow. Well, let's go over just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Well, I I said on the chat that uh, you're lucky that I'm here and not my mother because she would have slapped you multiple times (laughs) in the middle of that because that was quite a word. I don't know if you know what it means in the black church context when you get slapped It means you're doing good. Oh,
0: no, I actually did it because in the Asian culture, that's bad. (laughs) I
1: I thought about just slapping you when I sat down next to you, but I thought he might not understand the context. (laughs) So I know when I really preach because my mother, if she's around, she just walks right up to me and slaps me. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, in the back of the head. (laughs) And the harder, well, first of all, the back head slap, A forehead slap might even be better than a backhead slap, (laughs) but the back of the head slap allows her to slap harder without inflicting.
0: That's true. Like a real wound. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, uh,
1: Jeremy, that was a powerful word. That, That was a powerful word. That was a, that was exactly the word that our house needed to hear. That was exactly the word that I needed to hear. And, uh, just, I'm just so blessed and, uh, uh, so blessed. We're all so blessed. And so, uh, yeah, the chats have just been blowing up. Uh, everyone just just saying how um, how amazing this word is and how thankful. Praise the Lord. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to just close the service officially and uh, thank each and every one of you for being here. And uh, I'm going to close this in prayer. And then uh, Pastor Jeremy and I are going to hang out with you just for a few more minutes and, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe pray uh, for some individuals in the chat. Father, thank you so much for sending this word. Uh, to your people today you send your word to heal us and to deliver us from all of our distresses and surely this was the perfect word that came at the perfect time to heal our hearts today and to deliver us from our distresses and so i just speak your blessing over your people today in the name of the lord jesus christ i speak strength and encouragement to every heart and to every soul we give you praise for it in jesus mighty name amen amen god bless you